So today, I want to do something just a little bit different. That video introduced it, and we're going to talk about commitment. So go ahead and put that up there if you would, Krista. So I just want to talk about this, the circles of commitment. We had not done this in a long time. It's been about 10 years since I've, I've talked about this. So a lot of y'all weren't here, and we want to get everybody on the same page. So if you'll notice, the outside is the largest circle. As you go inside each of the circles, the, the circles get smaller because the commitment goes up. And so when you get down to the core, there's very few people in any church that are in the core. You go out a little bit to the committed, the congregation, the crowd, the community. So let's talk about this. The community, that's anybody within driving distance of New Life Community Church. So we've had people in the past come from Redtown. We've had people come from Tyler. We've had people drive from all over. So, so within driving distance, uh, in fact, I think we got somebody coming from, from uh, Lake Nacogdoches, right? Um, or, or about to be. So uh, anywhere within driving distance, these people are not necessarily, uh, if you think about the community, they're not involved in our church. They may, may know our church exists, but they're not committed to attending. They just are community. The crowd, now that's who might show up once or twice a month. These are people who are committed to attending uh, our church. Um, they're, they're what I might call the curious. Sometimes people need to come for a long time, need to hear a lot about Jesus, have their questions answered before they ever say, okay, I'm going to believe in him. Now, the congregation, these are people who have committed to the church. They have joined. Um, this is going through our, our membership class, and I'll talk more about that in just a second. They come regularly. They give regularly. They support the vision and values of the church. Then comes the committed. Not only are they committed to the church, they're committed to spiritual growth. The disciplines of a disciple, they are following Jesus on a daily basis, not just members who attend, they walk with, they follow God on a daily basis. The core then are uh, those who serve others through the ministry of our church. No, this isn't just the place they attend. It's not even the place that they would call uh, necessarily their church home. It's the place where they serve to make a difference for all eternity. And then there's going to be one more, and I'll show you about that in a minute. It's called the commissioned. And that's from the core. The whole goal of moving people through these circles to higher levels of commitment is so that we then commission you to go outside these walls and serve the message of Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ is the only organization ever in the history of the world that is established for those outside the walls. It is not for the people sitting here today. It's for those that have never even heard about Jesus. So my question to you today is how committed are you? And let's just look at some levels of commitment. So um, the first one is committed to New Life Community Church. October 25th, one month from today, we will have our membership class. In order to be a part of New Life Community Church, you have to go through the membership class. And so we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but the very first thing I'm going to tell you is the goal of our membership class is that you, number one, you commit to Jesus Christ. Number two, that you commit to New Life Community Church. Why? Because you become what you are committed to. If you are committed to drugs, you'll become a drug addict. If you're committed to work, you'll become a workaholic. If you're committed to stuff, you'll spend all of your life getting newer and badder toys, and, and then you'll die and leave it to somebody else. Somebody else will be glad you did all of that, but, but you're not going to take it with you. And if you're committed to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ, listen to me. If you're committed to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ, you will commit to the church, which is the bride of Christ. Here's where I get that. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. This is the Living Bible translation. Now, you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country. And look at this. You belong where? In God's household. He's talking about a lo local congregation of believers. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. 
I can't tell you how many times we've, we've been a church for 18 years, and I can't tell you how many times someone will come in, and, and I always ask, how did you learn about our church? And they'll tell me. And then I'll say, are you a member somewhere? And I've had people, probably a dozen people through the years, who've said, well, I'm not a member of any church. And, and immediately, red flags go off. Signals, be careful with this person. And I'll say, well, okay, so where do you attend church? Well, I get up on Sundays, and wherever the Holy Spirit leads me, and I'm like, that's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will not lead you to contradict Scripture. God says 90% of the time in the New Testament when it says church, talking about a local congregation, you belong there. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead you to wander because there's no accountability there. There's no getting under the authority of God. There's no getting under the authority of a local church leadership if you're just going wherever the Holy Spirit leads you. Again, that's not the Holy Spirit. There's an unholy spirit that leads people to be detached because if you are part of the body, the Bible says that every believer is part of the body. There's no such thing as a hand flopping around down Highway 155 going from this church to this church to this church. does not work that way. Citizenship in God's country is not optional. Citizenship in God's household is not optional in the Bible. And for that reason, if you're going to be a core person at New Life Community Church, citizenship in God's family is not optional. Core people have given their lives to Christ. They've followed him in baptism, and they've pledged themselves to a local church. And so we're going to ask you at the end of our 101 class, if you take this class, we're going to ask you to sign a card that says, I have given my life to Christ. If you've not been baptized, we'll, we'll get you baptized. And then I commit myself to New Life Community Church because you become what you're committed to. And we expect you to do that. Second level of commitment is to spiritual growth. I love this, love this, love this. Check this out. This is Colossians 1.10. You will grow, what's that word? You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Core people are committed to spiritual growth. They'll do whatever it takes to grow. They walk with God on a daily basis. Now, why is this relevant? Here's why this is relevant. A mark of maturity is when you can feed yourself. A mark of immaturity is when you want someone else to feed you. Sometimes in our vision class or in our vision talks, I'll bring up a high chair, and I'll say, this isn't really a high chair. This is an eye chair. And, and the number one competition for my time is people who sit in the eye chair. I need more from you. I need a pastor who'll do this. I need a pastor who'll do this. Well, go somewhere else because he's not here. The eye chair people will say, feed me, do everything for me, pastor, and neglect people who are going to hell, and that's not going to happen here. So get out of the eye chair. The person at the core says, I've got to commit my life to growing more like God. And they realize the only way to grow spiritually is to spend time with God regularly. So they set a time, set aside time every day to get to know God. And you can tell, the Bible tells us how you can know these people. I'm about to show you. It's from scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18, the contemporary English version. And we all with unveiled face, I'll talk about the veiled face in just a minute. We all with unveiled face, what is this word I have highlighted? Beholding. Think about the first time you locked eyes with the person that is now your significant other. You beheld. My brother told me the first time he met Janie, he goes, I bet you just fell into those blue eyes and never came out. And I said, yes. I like to behold those blue eyes. That's what it means, beholding, looking at with favor. Beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed. We talked about this last week when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. It is a glow that came outside of him from the inside. Same word here. You're being transformed by something on the inside of you. You yield to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you radiate. 
You're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, this unveiled face thing. In the Old Testament, it's actually the Old Covenant. We call it the Old Testament. The Old Covenant that God made with the children of Israel. The only person who was allowed to see God or to to be in God's presence was Moses. And so Moses would go up on Mount Sinai. He got the Ten Commandments. He came down. He broke the commandments. He had to go back up and get the commandments again. The Israelites were just these, these, this incredibly um, rebellious people. God got mad at them, said he was going to destroy them. Moses said, God, if you're going to destroy them, kill me too. If you're not going to go with us, God, I don't want to go either. So God chose Moses. He got to go up there. And it says that when, when he spent time with God, either in the tent of meeting or up on Mount Sinai, he would come back and his face was real shiny. It was so shiny that, that it scared his brother Aaron, who was the priest, the high priest. It scared all the other people. So they're like, they run away from Moses. And so in order not to scare them, Moses would put a veil over his face. Now, here's the thing. When he spent time with God, he would glow. The more he, he was away from God, the more the glow would fade. Now, that's the old covenant. The old covenant glow would fade because the law can never save. The law can't transform. The law can only show you that you're a sinner. In the New Testament, the new covenant with Jesus Christ, which we're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, he says, this is a new covenant in my blood. This is my body broken for you. The new covenant, any person can come into the presence of God if they are a child of God. Jesus is the one that taught us to say, Heavenly Father, there's no other religious leader who's ever done that. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You don't have to go through any ceremonial cleansings like the old covenant. You don't have to climb a mountain somewhere over in the, in the Middle East to be with God. You can go with God. Now, here's what I'm so excited about. See, Moses, Moses came up with the first ever mask mandate in, in recorded history, right? He would put the veil over his face. Anybody get that? <laughs> we don't have to do that. The Bible says with unveiled faces because we're children. We come into the presence of our Heavenly Father. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. God's throne, because he's your daddy sitting on that throne. Now, check this out. Colossians 1.10, you will grow as you spend time with God. Everybody gets that, right? You grow as you're... But 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, you will glow as you spend time with God. It comes from the inside out. As we behold him, as we spend time in his presence, as we yield to his Holy Spirit, he transforms us from the inside out. And everybody else will know when you've spent time with God. This is the same word when Jesus was transfigured. God will transform you as you spend time. The more time in God's presence, the more you're going to look like God. It's an inside change that shows up on the outside. So core people radiate with the glory of God because you become like you hang out with. Now, I actually argued with the Lord for some time about this, but he won. So, um, I just, hang on. This is my Old Testament study over the last three years. I've gone through every page of every one of these books. And then um, as God gives me notes, I put them in my notebook. And I date it, and I, and I put the amount of time. 
I mean, I put what, what God tells me there, and I put the title up here, April 26th, 1 Samuel 9, 1 through, uh, 9, 1 through 10, 27, then I have a prayer time. These are, when, when I go through this, I highlight it, and, uh, and I say, God, what do you want me to know? And I pull out my notebook, and I write down those things that, that I think God wants me to know. And so I spend every day, if I'm on a cruise, I get up early and I go down and I find a quiet place and I pull out my Bible and I pull out my commentaries because I want to be like God. And you become like people that you hang out with. And if you want to be transformed into the image of Christ, it's going to cost you something. And, and, and I, I, if, you, if you do the, the you version, that's great. That's awesome. But I got tired of doing a seven-day study or a three-day study and then having to find another one. So I said, how about this, Lord? I'm going to start at the beginning of the Bible, and I'm going to walk verse by verse through the Bible as long as you let me live. I'm in the New Testament now. I'm in Matthew chapter 19 is, is what I read this morning. And, 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 and I'm not at all, <laughs> this is what I wrestled with. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm a great person. I'm not. I need this every day. See, if I miss one day, God knows. God knows that I've missed my appointment. If I miss two days, I know because I know how I start to see people. And if I miss three days, you're going to know it because I'm a punk. It takes this to make me look like Jesus. 3rd thing that someone who is a core person is is committed to worship. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That means we worship God with our heart and with our head. Um, we worship God with our minds and with our feelings. And, and uh, I'm just going to jump out there. Sometimes people come in, and they want to know about our church, and, and what they say is, is this a spirit-filled church? Well, of course we are. But that's usually code word for do you speak in tongues? And so we have to, we've had some issues where we've had to go through this and go back and what does the word of God say? And I'll just give you this little nugget. Paul said, I would rather speak three intelligible words than a thousand words in a tongue. Because if a lost person comes in and you're speaking in tongues, they'll think you're crazy. So when we have to make a choice about the type of church we're going to be, we want to make, make sure everything is understandable for everybody who walks in here. Because I'm not going to stand before God. And, and say, oh, God, I allowed, I allowed other things to be, become more important than teaching the word of God in a way that a lost person can understand. I will not do that. Committed to worship. Look what it says in Hebrews 10.25. Some people have gotten out of the habit of doing what? Meeting. Last night we had 46 people here for our, our marriage night. And, and it was almost like I couldn't pull them apart. It's like we hadn't seen each other in years you know, and it was this family reunion, and, and we were not social distance when we were out there, and, and uh, forgive us, Lord, um, but, but it was the coolest thing. When we went for our 20-minute break in the middle of it, we walked out there. It was so loud because people were just loving being in each other's presence, and, and I thought, man, this is, this is church, and we're out of the habit of meeting. Some people are out of the habit of meeting, and, and, and I'm grateful for technology, um, that, that conference we did last night, last year was live at a huge church. This year, because of COVID, they had to put it online, and, and I was grateful that we had it. 
But I'm telling you, the folks who were here, who were sitting around here, we had a different experience because we were in the same room together. And this says we need to be in the habit of meeting for worship. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Would you say that the times are getting better or are they getting worse? Worse. The the Lord's coming. Core believers say, I'm going to consistently gather for worship. And, and this was, it's so good to have our COVID people back. We missed y'all. I know that they were quarantined for two weeks. They said it was horrible because they wanted to be here and they couldn't be here. Core believers are committed to, to gathering regularly, to, to hear in-depth biblical teaching, to take the Lord's Supper, to worship together. And there's two parts of worship. There's private worship that you should do Monday through Saturday and Sunday. And then there's public worship, which is what we're doing here. And the reason most of you don't get anything out of public worship is because you put nothing into private worship. You wouldn't know Jesus if he sat down next to you. Because 168 hours a week, well, not that much, whatever you sleep, take that off, you're being inundated by the world and you're not beholding the glory of God, because when you behold the glory of God on a daily basis, you can't wait to get to church and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And today we had just a little taste of it, right? When you guys get into worship, we respond to that. And worship isn't for you, it's for God. And I'm going to tell you, the worship in heaven is going to be spectacular, and it's going to go on for eternity. If you don't like worship here, you're not going to like worship in heaven. If you don't like brothers and sisters of different colors here, you're not going to like heaven. Because Revelation, the last book, says there are people from every tribe, nation, and tongue gathered before the Lamb of God. Number four, committed to other believers. Two are better than one for for they can help each other succeed. When you work out, are you going to work out by yourself more? more, uh, Are you going to get into it more by yourself or with a partner? A partner, yes. It's the same thing. That's a biblical principle. Two are better than one. They can help each other out. Core believers, core people believe that life change happens in small groups. And so there's this accountability that happens. And so our small groups are, by the way, we're going to have a one-month small group. COVID has really messed us up. And so in the middle of of October, we're going to have a one-month small group. So anybody can commit to four weeks, coming on a Sunday night for four weeks. Um, But you commit to that, or we've got men's Bible study, women's Bible study. Now we have the teen, the preteens are going to get together. The youth are going to get together. Um, We have Celebrate Recovery. We have the landing. If you want to gather with people, you can. And, and by the way, if you're in leadership, you better be gathering. And if you can't come here, you better be gathering with somebody. Because let me ask, somebody asked this last week. I, I don't remember where we were talking about this, but they said, when you watch worship on, on your, your computer screen, do you stand up? Do you clap? Do you lift your hands? Do you go, woo? No, you, you sit back in your, I mean, we didn't. We, we were at a at a wedding back in June, my, my nephew's wedding, and we we're all sitting around. We, we loved worshiping, but we weren't clapping, right? It's a spectator sport. So we're glad that God, that we have this, but it's different when you're in the building. Intentionally spending time with other folks who challenge your faith and make you better. Number five, committed to serving. 
Core people view new life as the, more than a place to go worship. They view this as a place to make a difference with their lives. They're asking God to show them their spiritual gifts. They're attempting to understand their personalities. You remember when we went through, I said this, you heard that. Um, they're, they're trying to figure out how their past... God healing them from their past can help them heal someone else or, or show someone else the pathway to God so he can heal them. They're examining what God's been doing in their life so that they can share that with others. And number six, they're committed to generous giving. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part. Which part? Which part? The first part of all your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine, overflow your wine vats with the finest wine. Somebody's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was an agricultural society, and so he's not going to overflow your wine cellar with the finest wines. What it means is as you give him the first part, as you acknowledge God with that first 10%, he makes the other 90% go farther. Core people aren't tippers. Now, now if, you're, if you're not, if you uh, are community or crowd, and, and you occasionally put 10, 20, whatever bucks in, in the joy basket, woo we're, we're excited about that. But there's no such thing as a tipper at the core. The core person says, I'm going to give the first part. I'm going to give 10% of my income to God, the first 10%. Okay, put that, uh, that, that second. There we go. Okay. So community, crowd, congregation, committed core, and then the commission, the commission. So, so in, in a small way, what we're doing on October 11th, you're being commissioned to go outside these walls and to serve. But, but also what it's going to mean is if we're doing church correctly and people are moving through those levels, higher level of commitment as they go down, there are going to be some people who say, I am called of God to give my life to ministry. Now, everybody's called to be a minister, but not everybody's supposed to do that professionally, right? You're, that's not your, your profession. Um, we are all ministers, but, but some of you, God's going to call you into full-time Christian service. Now, lots of folks never take time to investigate Christianity. So if you're not a Christian, we welcome you here. And, and, and hear me, hear me. If we have to choose between a Christ follower and you, we will choose you every time. Because we believe that's what the church was established for, was to tell people about Jesus. And if somebody gets their feathers ruffled and they're not going to follow the scripture and they, they storm out the door and slam the door and say things, whatever, that's on them. We're going to keep opening the doors and reaching people who are far from God because it's why we were started. Levels two through four would be inappropriate for certain people if they're not a Christ follower yet. So you keep coming and you keep listening and you need to understand Jesus spent a whole lot of time pouring into people who were far from God. And so we're going to do the same. Now, let's say that you were already a Christ follower and you come to our church and you want to settle in, you know, at, at level two or three, you know, okay, I'm going to join the church and, and maybe I'll commit to spiritual growth, but you want to be comfortable. This is not the church for you. You're playing games. That's a counterfeit Christianity. Take that somewhere else. We're not going to have that. I'm not into playing games. Jesus wasn't into playing games because here's, here's the point. Authentic commitment is not so much about where you are as where you're going. Did I put that one on there? If you're content to stay where you are, you're faking it. If your commitment is real, then you'll be moving deeper and deeper in your relationship with Christ. In fact, this is on your listening guide. Movement or lack of movement spiritually is what determines whether your commitment is real or fake. There's no such thing. I want you to repeat this. There's no such thing, no such thing. In, the of God, in the kingdom of God 
as maintaining the status quo. We're going to say that again. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God as maintaining the status quo. Because one of the main strategies of your enemy is to get you to be comfortable spiritually. Here's the last thing before we take the Lord's Supper. Whatever level you are at is a great place to start, but it's a horrible place to stop because your relationship with Christ is about movement. You should be closer to Christ today than you were a year ago. A year from now, you should be closer to Christ, but it's going to cost you. So when we take the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is for believers in Christ, um, and, and it's a really, really big deal. It is not something we tack on to the end. And the reason I do it at the end is because sometimes we have lost people here, and I don't want lost people to feel uncomfortable um, at this point. But here's, here's what it is. On the night before Jesus was crucified, they're having the Passover meal, and he takes the bread, and he says, this bread represents my body as being broken for you. They didn't fully understand what was going on at that moment. And so he said, this bread is being broken for you. And he passed it around and they took the bread. Then he takes the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood, which is going to be spilled for you. Now, here's the thing. This is why this is such a big deal. When you, when you take the cup, when you eat the bread, what you're saying is, you're saying to everyone, you're preaching a sermon that I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going to keep following Jesus till he returns. Because he said, as often as you do the Lord's Supper, you do this as a reminder that I'm coming back. He's kept all of his promises from the Old Testament except the one where he's coming back. He's coming back. And so when you take the bread, you take the cup, you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus and I'm going to follow him until he comes back or until I quit breathing on this planet. Now, there's a couple of things. We're supposed to remember that Jesus died and what it cost him to buy our freedom from our sin. So don't take it lightly. The other thing is, if you are in conflict with someone and you've not attempted to make rest, uh, uh, reconciliation with them, you're not to come take the Lord's Supper. In fact, this is, this is the one time in Scripture. It says if you're at the altar and you remember somebody has something against you, leave the altar. It's, you're, you're commanded by God to leave the church, go make things right, and then come back. Then offer your gift. Then take the Lord's Supper. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, some people have, have gotten sick, some people have died because they dared approach the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. So I have to warn you, don't you approach the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now, saying that, there's a verse that we were reminded of last night in, in, in the, the marriage conference. And it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. If you've attempted to make things right and they will not make things right, that's on them. That's not on you. So when we take the Lord's Supper, um, we're just going to play quiet music. This is the way we do it here. And, and I want you to examine your hearts. If there's sin in your heart, you better confess that sin. Do what David said. Oh, God, show me if there's any wicked way in me so I can confess it. If you know that you've not attempted to, to reconcile with somebody, you need to quietly just excuse yourself and, and leave, and that's okay. I would rather you do that than take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. But if you're confessed up in your relationships, as, as far as it depends on you, you've tried to make it peace with everybody, then you come and you take the Lord's Supper. And, and here's the thing. This next year, Janie and I will be married 30 years. This ring is a symbol of a commitment I made on May 25th, 1991, where I said, I choose you forsaking all others from this day forward. When you come to the Lord's Supper table, it is a symbol that you're saying, forsaking all others. It is just as, is just as significant 
as standing before God and, and before a pastor and saying, I do. That's a lifetime covenant. When you come to the Lord's Supper table, you're saying, I do again. I still do. So I'm going to pray. We're going to turn on some music. When, when you feel ready, you come take the Lord's Supper. If you don't feel ready, that's fine. You can just leave quietly. Let's, let's keep this in here quiet because we're, we're doing business with God. Once you get past the doors, you're welcome to talk once you get out there. But this is just going to be a time where we spend time in the presence of God. And, and by the way, those of you who are at home, if you don't have juice and bread, give me a call. I'll come by and, and we'll, we'll do a drive-by Lord's Supper. I don't know, something, something strange for COVID. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you that you have made a way for us to know you. You've given us an opportunity to confess our sins, and, and Scripture says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, so teach us what it means to, uh, to humble ourselves before you, to humble ourselves at the foot of the cross. There is, it's level at the foot of the cross because we all sin. And so I can't throw stones at my brother or sister in Christ when, when they're sinning because, because it's my sins that put you on that cross. Help me to know how to love you and help me to know how to reflect you. And, and as I behold you, Lord, transform me, transform this church into the image of the glory of Jesus Christ. Speak to us now as we take the Lord's Supper. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.